Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So today is episode 194, and it is Coach's Corner Volume 17, which is nuts. Uh, so thank you so much, guys, for all of your amazing support. Um, and I'm hoping to announce something very cool. I don't think I've ever, t- I haven't even told Dallas yet. Um, <laughs> I haven't even told Jane yet. Um, but we're, we're, I, I can't announce anything until something is signed. So um, hopefully something is coming up. If it doesn't come up, it doesn't come up. Uh, we'll move on and we'll uh, see what else is happening. But today's episode is one of those things that I think comes up an awful lot. And it is in relation to why people are not losing weight. And the first caveat that I want to put out there is that not everyone has to lose weight. Um, if you're happy where you're at, that is completely up to you and a massive credit to you, a massive kudos to you. If you suffer from binge eating disorder, like bulimia or anorexia or whatever it may be, please do go and talk to a mental health professional. I cannot recommend that enough. We've had the amazing Jamie Wright on and we've got Harriet Frew coming on and then we've had Callum Stronach on as well in relation to helping with kind of people with eating disorders it's hugely important that losing weight isn't for everyone losing weight doesn't have to be for everyone it is whatever you choose to how you want to look you don't have to live your life by someone else's and what meet the, the media's perceptions of what a body should look like i have known from my own experience and dallas has realized this from his own experience in that you may have to go to those lows to appreciate where you're at unfortunately but it's also you get the lessons from those lower times so you can appreciate the better times. So Dallas, thank you so much. I know we're fresh from your birthday celebrations uh, last Friday. It was beautiful. I just enjoyed every single little bit of it. And can you believe it? By the time Sunday came over, there was no cake left in the house. How disappointing. You completed it. I did. (laughs) Completed it, mate. Yeah, tick. Yeah, it was just so good. And then like the cookie pie went down absolutely beautiful. And then the cheesecake and then I just love cheesecake. So any of the cheesecake lovers out there, like, you know, holla because like, yes. If you want to send Dallas a cheesecake, you can DM him and he will uh, take payment in cheesecake. Uh, Cheesecake is life. Um, so this episode is kind of, we're kind of, kind of, we think it's going to be eight or 10. We haven't fully decided. It could be four, it could be 25, uh, top reasons why someone may not be losing weight. And we're going to kind of go one to one, one to one and kind of go that way. So I'll let Dallas start off with the first one. What is the, what's the most common reason you see people that may not be losing weight? Neat. So non-exercise activity thermogenesis, basically all that little fidgeting, the twitching, the moving around. That's one of the reasons why people can start to lose weight. And then as they start to lose weight, their meat goes down. So that background activity can amass anywhere from, say, roughly 200 calories a day to excess over a thousand calories a day. So if you want to think about it, the easiest way I like to explain this, if anyone is a comic fan, I really hope people are, but people should know at least the Flash, right? Flash moves extremely quick when he's moving. He can vibrate through the walls and everything. That's essentially what happens with your meat. When you are moving basically so much in the day, you are burning an extremely a good amount of calories, and that allows you to carry on losing weight as a period of time. However, as you lose weight, you're naturally going to see the body wants to try and keep your body at a certain weight, which is natural. It wants to slow it down. So you end up seeing that your background activity starts to drop. And as it drops, so does the rate of weight loss. 
start to drop, but also you start to see, you start to slow down weight loss, but also stop in weight loss because you end up getting to the point where you're eating exactly the same amount as you're currently burning in a day. And that's usually one of the biggest ones. And everyone's like, yeah, but I am moving a lot. Yes, you might be doing your 10,000 steps, but you could literally get home, sit on the couch and not move one little bit for another four or five hours. And that's a big thing. Or in the beginning, you would have done your 10,000 steps, come home and jitted, moved and walked around the house. Except now you're just sitting down. Welcome to conservation of energy. Would you, this is a, this is a question that kind of came up. I read something on it recently. Would you recommend someone, obviously time dependent and situation dependent and all that kind of stuff, of someone spreading up their walks on a daily basis to morning and evening or whenever can or just getting it done when you can? It will depend on the person, of course, like we were talking about, but it, in terms of it speeding it up or even splitting it is so a good idea. If you look at it from an um, aspect, you don't want the person being as slow and just sitting and not moving through the rest of the day. So if you notice, for instance, like even if anyone's watching this, you will see my hands are moving around as I talk and everything. That's the aspect of neat. Now, if you can be hard in a diet, you will notice the person won't move at all. So speeding up your walking is a good way to do it. Trying to remind yourself of just fidgeting in an aspect it would be a good thing. Splitting up is another aspect. However, there is one caveat to this. Meat is genetic-based. So that means there are going to be people, and anyone listening to this will know that those that they've grown up with, where their friends don't stop moving. They're always tapping something, the hand's always moving, and you're like, I am going to break you. I am going to snap your neck if you carry on. And they can't stop. Those are the genetic variants who happen to have a high number of neat or have a high neat. And then you see the other majority of people on the bell curve happen to be where we have a little bit of neat. We burn about four, 500 calories from you a day, and that's about it. We died a bit, and it drops. So it's like there is a genetic aspect to it and trying to remind yourself to be a little bit more active is no longer neat now. It is actually just activity. And that's the key. So when we tell someone to go and walk 10,000 steps, that's not neat. That is activity. Neat is what you do unconsciously, where you fidget, where you move. And that's you've got to recognize. So it is something that is naturally going to go down the diet. And then you can then obviously counteract that with adding activity back in. I mean, that's a superb answer there. And I think it's important to um, talk about kind of what actual need is because it is that unplanned exercise. And I think a lot of people can get confused with that side of things. And I know we had Dan and Amanda talking about kind of like the step counters and all that kind of stuff. And the, the marker seems to be about seven and a half, seven thousand for to kind of hit that sweet point. It isn't the 10,000 that people market it and stuff. So it's about trying to like get it done when you can. Don't beat yourself up if you can't, but I think it's important to have some sort of physical exercise each day for mental clarity over everything else. I know myself, I feel it mentally when I don't get out. My body feels it. I don't feel amazing, but it's also, I will use it to to kind of listen to an audiobook or just to have the headphones on and not even have anything plugged in. Sometimes you just see a wire hanging inside my pocket. It's a little bit weird, but it's just kind of like, I just want to block people out and I just kind of like have the headphones on. Um, the... The one that I've seen is that weekends get in the way um, and people don't count the weekends. So if we are to look at the week, the week is seven days. If we have, if we start 
like most people kind of a lot of people will start a diet on a monday and i wouldn't advise that to most people because you'll be like oh i'm being good monday being good tuesday and wednesday a little bit of wiggle room a little bit of thing kind of comes in on thursday that willpower has gone the motivation has gone and then thursday friday saturday sunday are kind of like gone so with weekends especially with things opening back up and having open back up it's important for you to say right winning the next meal so if you ha- if you're aiming for three regular meals a week or th- a day should i say uh that's 21 meals in a week one meal that is less nutritious compared to your other meals is less than 5% of your total meals for the week. So it's actually 4.96%. So that is not a massive, I, if I know myself, I'd be pretty happy with a 95, 95% score on a test in, in school and college. And Dallas like, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag goals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then two meals, like potentially if you're going out, but it's what you do and the boundaries that you set yourself around it. So if you know you're going out for brunch with the girls, it's not about knowing you don't need to be salad Susan. Yeah. You can have the food. Like I know myself, I'm like, when I look at the menu, it's like, well, what do I actually feel like? And sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to have the pizza. And sometimes I'll be like, all right, how can I get my protein in? Do I, act, do I need to order more protein in? If I haven't ha- hit that protein in, mm-hmm. I'm just going to have a Diet Coke or get, make sure I'm getting glasses of water in, make, ask for an extra portion of veggies. That's one thing that I've really, really brought in because I've been trying to get like a, a restaurant bought meal into the house on a Friday um, to kind of have a chill out time and ordering extra portions of veg. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people when they're, they will spend all their money or spend all their calories or even bank their calories for the weekend and from research we can see that's the same principle what happens is when people win the lottery they end up going bankrupt because they don't know how to cope they haven't got the tools and mechanisms in place they overspend and they don't know what to do with that actual extra money so the same thing with banking your calories i would not encourage probably 99.9 percent of people to actually bank calories it's resetting the next day it's winning the next meal the same thing with binge eating the most important thing you can do for yourself is winning the next meal it's not about kind of restricting and saying no i can't have this or i've had the pizza i can only have a salad that's not what it is it's giving yourself the permission but if mo- a lot of people will go for the say 1200 calorie marker if you have seven days in a week that's 8400 calories that's not a whole lot of food for a week that's probably a dietary requirement of a four-year-old which isn't a whole lot but you're probably more than likely not actually adhering to that. The weekends are coming in and you're saying you're on 1200 calories, but probably on 1200 calories two days out of the seven. And then you're like, boom, you've kind of like potentially gone off left, left, right and center. You're being too restrictive to, and then beating yourself up when you go off plan. You can't be on, you can't be on plan. If you can't be off plan, if you're not on plan, there's no black and white thinking. It's about, no, it's about moderation moderation ain't sexy but we have to look at weekends they're all they're like two three days depends what way you classify your weekends book in a date night book in an occasion where potentially can have this little bit more food potentially have a little bit more food or frozen meals in the freezer for that when you wake up hung over whatever it be but try not to let emphasis on what i said there try not to let the the next day be the same as the previous day or if you've had a night out try just say right i'm just going to potentially if, I'm, if the whoever's around you is getting a takeaway potentially go for a camille because you know how many calories are in it mm. rather than going for this this massive pizza it's probably about two and a half three thousand calories which is probably it's about two days worth of food for you in the in that like you've eat the barrier the, the calories that you've allowed yourself to have so the weekends is definitely a big thing try not to let them 
derailed. They do count. Okay. A lot of people don't think they count, but the weekends definitely do count. And if you're drinking, just reset. If you're going out for a meal, just reset. Protein, veggies, carbs, fats, happy days. Just get some water into it. Go for a walk even the next day. Your mental clarity, you'll feel you'll feel a lot better. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think um, kind of pushing on to that as well, then there also comes from like a psychological stress when it comes to uh, banking calories. Uh, like you and I have both seen with clients, it's like, oh, okay, look, I banked, you know, a thousand calories. And like now, because they add that I've got that mental note of a thousand calories, yeah. there is a stress that comes with it because I've got so much, okay, how am I going to fill this? What am I going to fill this with? You, you're now creating a problem where you're hyper fixated on food because you're like, oh, I've got a thousand calories. So I'm just going like, which the 1% can do, which is, I banked a thousand calories. Sweet. I can eat. There you go. That's it. They're, they're like, they're, there's no other full process into it. It is, that is it, where people end up going down to psychological stress and then they start giving themselves problems in the sense where it's, they start elevating their stress hormones. And now that is going to play a role in a lot of things. And that's number three which is stress for a lot of people not dealing with their stress and allowing it to become chronic often derails their weight loss. And the reason behind it is we often forget that small amounts of stress is wonderful for the body. The body builds muscle through stress. The body learns through stress. The whole body and assistant is a stress adapter. It's a stress mechanism. Everything we go through in some way, the system is stress. Our immune system is uh, working on a stress response. When it comes to work life, when it comes to kids, when it comes to training, when it comes to dieting, when it comes to basically the people around you, the comments from your family, the comments from your friends, all these add stresses to your life. If you are going through that same thing day in, day out, we see elevated blood glucose, not a good thing. We also see elevated hunger because your response to your hunger hormones start to go up to make back all the energy you have liberated when you have been in the stress state. So we often notice that when we are stressed, we don't want to eat. Cool. That's wonderful. However, there has to be a rebound effect. And that's the problem. When the rebound effect comes, we end up seeing people overeat because the hormones are not back to where they used to be. You don't have the same satiating um, effect anymore. So now the problem is when you overeat, you don't get that signal to go, hey, look, I'm full. You're going to keep going. You're going to keep going. You're going to keep going. And you absolutely go crazy with the overeating of food. And that what ends up ruining your, your weight loss because essentially what you're doing is you're restricting thanks to stress and then you're overeating because of it. So then people don't track what they eat during stress and they don't lower stress. But then as well as stress slows down weight loss from a mechanistic standpoint too which is also something you don't want. And then there's also the water retention that comes with weight loss, which can mask it as well. So if you think about it, if you're really stressed, water retention goes up. So if someone is doing very well on the diet and they happen to be really stressed, we don't see weight loss anymore. And because you don't see it, thanks to water retention, you're now more likely to go overeat as well. And that's a big issue when it comes to weight loss, stress. Yeah, I think that's I. It's one of those things that I think we work an awful lot. We say it an awful lot to our clients, but I know we're chatting off air that sometimes it's like when they go on holidays and they realize that how much the stress is actually impacting on them. Yeah. That that thing, the progress can go 
And it sometimes takes someone to go through that themselves in order to actually realize because we can say all these things under the sun on podcasts and say it to clients on a daily basis, but sometimes it's another way where they have to live through it first before they actually realize it. Um, and I think that's, that's a big thing. The other one that I've seen is unrealistic expectations. Mm. So unrealistic expectations is normally a death sentence for an awful lot of people in relation mm. to they think once they go to the gym three times, they will be the rock or they will be Jen Selter or they will be someone. And that's not how it works. And when we are looking for a average weight of weight loss, we've done a previous episode on it before, but like 0.5 to 1% is normally kind of a decent range or half a pound to a pound a week, depending on where someone's starting point is. If someone is potentially at the, 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 the heavier end of the spectrum, they'll probably lose a weight a little bit quicker than someone who is at the other end of the spectrum, which may not have that much. They may just need to kind of be a little bit more patient, which is a different one that we're going to talk about. But we need to look at and try to break the goal away from solely a weight goal. Mm. And I think when that happens for an awful lot of our clients, it is almost a proverbial weight lift off their shoulders, a weight lift off their minds that allows them to say, no, hang on, this scales is telling me a number and I'm not emotionally attached to that number anymore because they know the difference. They have no control over that number, but what they do have control is how they how it makes them feel mm-hmm. and their actions behind that leads up to them stepping up. So one of the things that I try to work on with clients is like take a diary, write down how you feel before you step on the scales, write down what happens when you feel on the scales and how you feel after you step on the scales. Do you notice a wavering difference in your mood? Then if you recognize that the mood has gone down when you come off the scales, what has been the trigger? Are you tired beforehand? Have you gone to the bathroom? Are you on a certain time in the month for girls? Have you uh, had a little bit more stress? Have you had a little bit more food? Are you weighing yourself in the evenings? Which is a big, I would not advise many people or any people to do that because you're carrying the food. If you think of your stomach like a bag, it's carrying the food around. So you're lean, your leanest and your uh, at your kind of your lightest first thing in the morning, having having gone to the bathroom and for number two and after no water. So don't also go into the gym, train, and then step on the scales because your body is if you're do if you're lifting weights, there's water being put into your body and to your muscles. So the weight is going to go up on that scales especially if you're drinking water when you're training as well, you have shoes on, you've probably got gym gear on as well. So probably try to stay away from that. But the unrealistic expectations, like if you're watching someone control your feed on social media, I cannot say this enough and people still don't do it. It's, it's mental. And Sarah Liz King spoke about it with her, like edit your feed, control your feed, control it for you. And look at like pictures of dogs or reels of dogs just jumping around or puppies or whatever it is work for you. But if you're, unrealistic expectation of oh i'm going to lose 20 kg in one day you're setting yourself up for a fall you're not giving yourself the opportunity to say right it didn't take me one day to put the 20 kg on it didn't take one meal to put the 20 kg on you're not going to lose all the weight from having one salad you're not going to gain all the weight from having one burger or whatever the food you may may not feel amazing about but also don't put try not to put your 
empathy or lack of self-worth onto the food. It's an inanimate object. We put the value of that object or metric onto it. It's there. It's just being. It's doing nothing. But we put our self-worth and our shame or guilt or whatever it may be onto that food. We project our insecurities onto it. And then that comes into the whole realm of the unrealistic expectations in that because if I won't bury you fucked up the whole thing. You haven't fucked up the whole thing. And that's when that crutch gets taken away, it's like you can walk again and live the life you want to do. I think it, everyone seems to do it at least once in their lifetime. And some will spend the rest of their life doing it. And that's the unfortunate part. Yeah. And I think you also... The, the element of change needs to be there. The desire to want to change is the biggest thing that I've, from working with clients is, mm-hmm. if the desire to change isn't there, no coach can can guide you. A coach can only guide you to the door. you got to walk through it. Yeah. And we can only give you the many tools and it's up to you to latch on to what it may be. A coach's job isn't to motivate you either. And our job is to give you the tools, but it's up to you to actually use the tools. Mm. It's like, if you keep blaming motivation, you don't know what your why is. Yeah. You don't go to work every day, motivated. You don't look after your child every day, motivated. You do it because you know that what the end goal is. You're getting paid or your kid isn't going to get fed or isn't going to be watered or whatever it may be. It's not a plant. Uh, <laughs> but it's the same thing. Like, you do, like that's the way to look at it. Like there's, ben Mudge is brilliant at talking about how some sessions he doesn't want to do. Yeah. But he, what he does is he puts on music that he enjoys and has a bop around in between sets. He's amazing at bringing that kind of com- comedic value into it and just stops, puts up a photo. I don't want to do this, but I'm doing it anyway. And it shows the human side of it. And Ben's in, uh, is in incredible shape and he's worked incredibly hard for it. Mm. But if you're waking up every day and you're 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 struggling to like to go and do things, like one this morning was one of those perfect things for me. It was like, well, I just counted one, two, three, and then jumped out of bed. I know from one of my other clients, my long-term clients, Eileen, she's been on the podcast. She spoke about the same thing. She's like, I may have had to count to maybe 10, but I, I, I still did it. Yeah. But if you're expecting to be a, on Love Island and you're and like after doing a week of training or like you're expecting to be on, on prep or whatever like that after one week of training, you've got to ask yourself, is it realistic? It's like, are, are you going to be going from uh, a lower position of work to the owner of the company or the CEO of a company overnight unless you set up on your own? I don't think that's going to happen. Nope. But we capitalize, uh, the industry capitalizes on that very nature. Yeah, they sell you quick fixes. And I think that's one thing that I don't want to do. I could easily sell these a program or a PDF and do quite well for it financially. But that's not going to educate anyone. I'd rather someone message me in four or five, six months, six years and say, I can't believe that the changes that I've made, I'm able to enjoy, I'm able to give my family the best version of me I can. Mm. I'm now able to have kids. I'm now able to manage my PCOS. I've got my cycle back so I can have kids. I've, they're the kind of messages yeah. that 
we love. Like we have a little subgroup and we put in the little wins with clients and stuff. And it's, it's amazing to see, but it's also allowing us to not pat ourselves on the back, but kind of like celebrate. We call it NSVs or non-scale victories. That's our version of non-scale victories for ourselves. And it has to be celebrated. You have to celebrate your small wins along the way. True. Which is a big aspect as well coming into a diet then. Yeah. I don't think enough people celebrate the small wins. I don't think like, I don't think enough people celebrate their wins full stop because they're like, I want more and more. And that's human nature. That's human nature to want more and more and more. Um, and I think if you're getting into a, a, an outfit they haven't got into for five, 10 years or whatever it may be, or you've thrown out your old clothes because they don't fit you anymore, the relief or the feeling that gives you and the sense of empowerment, that's not to be downplayed. And it's up to you to celebrate it. And by celebrating, I don't mean going out and have a big spree or whatever. It could be just like, say, like, all right, I'm going to go and buy a new outfit or I'm going to go and kind of go out for a spa day and just say, right, I'm going to have some me time mm. and book that in and celebrate the, the small wins because they do build up, they do build a trust and a rapport with yourself. Yeah. And if you've got that trust and rapport with yourself, that's like life-changing. And that's like, it's a thing. It's also like for myself, so celebrating like, when I decided in December that I'm going to take cardio a little bit more seriously in my life instead of just floating about, <laughs> it came an aspect of one of the mates. I was like, right, I would like you to give me an idea of doing the program. Give me the program. You know that after roughly about eight weeks, I am going to do my own thing and I'm going to adapt it to how I like it, but I want you just getting me started. And I went in. One of the things was celebrating was I would take screenshots of what I've done and I'd be like, take a look at this. And that was my celebratory mechanism because I had someone who I know who was also there to invest and be like, hey, I like the way you did that. That was amazing. Look at you now. I'm like, I can now do a 5K on 24 minutes pretty easily. I'm like, you know, I can go for it. If I want to go under 22, which we when the two of us ran together, that was a massive PB. After doing a chest workout and having dons and still went out and did it, I'm like, celebrate this. It's because there was somebody there and celebrating doesn't have to go spar day. It doesn't mean I need to eat food. It just means actually accepting what you just currently did. And that yeah. is it. It's celebrating that you managed to get it done, which is talking to someone in my case going, hey, look what I did. And someone going, that was wonderful. And that is all you need. And that keeps you going. And that's a big thing. Yeah, giving yourself the giving yourself the credit because I guarantee, like if you've if someone's listening to this and they've got a kid and the kid did amazing or had a test result or something, you'd give the kid the credit. Yeah. Or if your partner got a promotion at work, you'd give the person the the credit. But we find it very difficult to ourselves because we see it as being a selfish thing. It's not a selfish thing. I think it's and this I've said this so many times and I and I think I just got a T-shirt made at this stage. If the only thing that's being selfish is not offering the world your best. Yeah. And when that latches onto someone, I've heard of, I've seen a few clients kind of land with that in the last little while. And I will keep saying it. It's like, fuck slim on clubs. It's like a lot of the things. It's like, it's so funny on the calls now with clients. It's like, Shane, I knew you were going to get angry. I knew you were going to pick up on the slim clubs. I know you're going to pick up on the 1200 calorie diet. So I'm like, yeah. 
people can read me now. Beautiful. It's great to see. It's like, yeah, you know what I'm going to say, but now it's kind of like, do the stuff. Exactly. It comes into the other part. Um, flowing into other ones is an assumption that what your Fitbit tells you you burn is what you don't actually burn. In a sense that if it's telling you burn a thousand calories, you're actually not burning a thousand calories. And because of that, people often believe that their Fitbit, Garmin, their iPhone, whatever it may be, will tell them they burned X amount of calories in a session, X amount of calories by walking, and by doing so, go and eat that back. And then they don't see weight loss. Yeah, I think it's a big thing to understand. Like this, I think it's researched by Harvard or Stanford, I can't remember what it is. Um, and they say that the most accurate a kind of calorie burner, which is the Apple iWatch is still 20% margin for error compared to the most accurate one in the world. So like 20% margin for error is still a, quite a drastic margin for error in the grand scheme of things. But also counterintuitive to eat back. It's oh. like It's like if you're saving money and then you go out and spend all of it. It's like you haven't got a lot of savings left. It's the exact same thing. I know, it's beautiful. It's like, I'm going to take this thousand euro, I'm going to put it in investment. I'm not going to let it sit and accrue money. I'm going to take it out and use it for myself. So it's like, why did you do it in the first place? And then you got to know closer to your goal, which is like buying a house or buying a car. It's the exact same thing. Yeah, oh, I, I, it drives me nuts. And it's also people don't understand there are so many factors that go into you burning calories from basically the temperature of the day in terms of the amount of sleep, the efficiency that you can do, the amount of mitochondria you actually have, the weight you have. Like that's a lot. Then that's just naming five things. We can keep going. So it's like fundamentally there is so much that goes into that equation that you can be anywhere on the spectrum on that equation for burning. And that's the problem. So it's like, take it as activity that is there to make your life better. And that is it. It's there to make you better. If you've got a goal of running a marathon, cool. Calories still doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and the next one for me anyway is that you're restricting yourself and then you're kind of potentially going on either emotional eating or you're going on binge eating episodes. And binge eating, please go and talk to a mental health professional if you are struggling with that. I think that caveat needs to be continuously said. Um, and people also need to recognize what the difference between a binge is and an emotional eating uh, thing is. Uh, for some people with binge eating, it's lack of loss control. Mm. For emotional eating, it's the, and you, you can't stop. It's just that you potentially sometimes, for some people, they can stop if they want. It's just that it's, it's, it's just an emotional and that the emotional overwhelm kind of comes back into it. Uh, but for a lot of people it is that they could be going for like, as I spoke about previously, is like they're going for very low calories for some days and then overspending on huge, vast amounts on yeah. other days. It's the exact same thing. Like if you had, if you, like when you're saving money, it's what you could do over consistent. Like it's a compound effect. It's like if you have your pay slip and you overspend on payday, you're not going to have a whole lot of money left for the rest of the month. So you need to look at it from a point of view of saying to yourself, well, am I better off being more consistent and potentially meeting halfway between 1,200 calories and say 2,500 calories I have on a regular basis, which is somewhere in the middle and eating those consistent calories. And then I guarantee you will probably see better lasting results. Will it happen every time? Absolutely not. There will be days we still hit the 2,500 calories. But it's also allowing yourself to do that, giving yourself the permission to do that. But if you're restricting and you're taking out your favorite foods, obviously you're going to lose weight. 
but you have to look at it from a point of view do you want to still do you want to continue to lose that same few pounds or stone over and over again which is tiring mentally physically emotionally draining mm. or do you want to learn how to educate yourself and understand your hunger cues and ask yourself right am i hungry will it happen every time absolutely not nothing happens every time but we have to look at it from right i'm going to have some chocolate every day give yourself the permission the wording matters the language matters it's not treating yourself which the fucking word annoys me um it's funny on parks and rec treat yourself but when it comes to yeah but when it comes to the food side of things it's not a treat because the other side of a treat is punishment so if you're treating yourself, well, then you're going to be punishing yourself with the set, probably the same food. So if you're cutting out chocolate, you're cutting out crisps, you're cutting out whatever it may be, it's not going to last very long. If you've done it before and it hasn't lasted, worked for you before, there is no way it's going to start to work all of a sudden. Why not try to say, right, I'm going to get the like Fredo bars. They're like 130 calories or 80 calories, whatever they are, uh, into the house. Get a Fredo bar. If you want to go have a chocolate bar, walk to the shop. Mm if you don't buy multi-packs if you want a pack crisps a pack of potato is about the same amount of calories as a chicken filler but it's very nutritionally different and the makeup on it is very very different but if you if you enjoy those foods why take them out food is to be enjoyed food is to be celebrated food is not there to be abused yep it's an inanimate object we're the ones that put this focus on top of it we're the ones that put our insecurities on top of it and we abuse it and it's coming from the likes of the the stone age where they didn't know when they were getting their next meal so they would eat everything mm-hmm. because they didn't know what the next meal is and that's what's still ingrained in our dna somewhere along the line and it's finding that kind of halfway point that's very different for everyone but it is halfway in that medium um of contentment and it's also curating that feed that's the one thing that's really annoying at the minute is what I eat in the day posts. <laughs> no bearing on your life, so get lost. Like, seriously. Yeah, oh. and that, that person probably, you haven't seen, that person's probably eating more outside of it, probably not realistic. It's probably one day out of seven days and they're probably doing something else outside of it. They're not beneficial for you. They don't create a realistic picture for you. Like, clients sometimes ask us, like, what do you eat in a day? Oh, and I'm just like, I'm not sharing that. Like, that's not fair. It's not, it's what I want to eat. It's what I enjoy eating. It's not going to be the same for you. I'm quite a bland eater Monday to Thursday. A little bit more variety comes in the weekend. But it's still saying, right, I'm having my ice cream every single day. Mm-hmm. See the language that I use? I'm having my ice cream every single day. And I think people will be very, I think people will be surprised if they went through our food each day. The variety in it, especially for you, because Dallas is an incredible cook. <laughs> oh, shucks. Uh, but the variety in Dallas's food, and people will be kind of like, I've had a few comments about Dallas's food. Like, but how, how is he eating that and staying that? Because his protein, his consistency, that's you're seeing a snapshot of what Dallas is doing. Yeah. You're not seeing the, the time and effort he puts into his workouts, into his program. And it's not about, oh, you can't, it's, you can't uh, train a bad diet. Dallas, Dallas is having that balance. It could be 80-20 split. It could be 70-30 split. It's very dependent on the person. But it's also pro- dependent on the week, and it's also dependent on the week. And your diet needs to change on those things. Like, uh, uh, yeah. 
the, the, right. When people are dieting, you can go by two different ways. You can go variety and minimize variety. For people who struggle, minimizing variety in the beginning is where you want to start. So that means keep breakfast relatively similar. Keep lunches relatively similar. Dinner, you change and give yourself. And everyone's like, oh, no, no, I'm going to hate that. And I'm like, please, you eat pretty much the seven to ten meals the same every goddamn week. And everyone's like, no, I don't. I'm like, really? I'm like, you have some form of chicken? And I'm like, it's probably going to be a star fire. And you're like, get lost. You know? So it's like, minimize your variety. Once you've minimized your variety, learned how your diet works, where your mood goes, what it feels like on some things, then bring in variety. But it's also just looking at what other people eat. I'm like, that's theirs. That's for them. That satisfies what their needs are. It's not satisfying your needs. If your need is to have ice cream, if your need is to have chocolate, get that in. I fucking love ice cream. I know okay. good, good chocolate, you know, good like toffee or yeah. That's all the caramel last night. How did those? No, I went to the place on Sandy Mount Strand, yes. uh, scoop, and I got that with uh, Ferrero Rocher, mm. ice cream, Ferrero Rocher ice cream in a tub. I was like, just having a moment. Uh, Just went silent. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Like strawberry cheesecake. And then I had a uh, bubble gum as well. I haven't had the bubble gum. I think it might be too sweet for my palate, but I I can see the, I can see the appeal to it. All right. Uh, We digress. Um, (laughs) uh, The next one for yourself, Mr. Dallas. Um, Sleep and blue light. It's in together. So if you have crappy sleep, right? You are going to see a disruption in hunger hormones and satiety hormones. She's that came out extremely posh. I apologize. Uh, sorry, Neve, if you're listening to this. <laughs> We've been named uh, uh, the posh casters. Um, so sleep um, hormones and satiety hormones end up going down. How as well as what I mean by blue light is that morning circadian uh, like light shift i.e. walking out and getting some sunlight actually starts the day in a good position to ensure that hunger is regulated at a more sufficient time so usually if your sleeps are if you're waking up at random times at night waking up and getting out of bed at random times during the week you will notice your hunger starts to shift at different times and that will cause a problem for the day because not only are you now not fully hungry in the day but you know there's Full from the meals you eat, but because your hunger is going to be forward or backwards, you're eating at irregular times, and when you eat at irregular times, you're more likely going to overeat. So yeah. get your get your damn sunlight in the morning. Yeah, I've no, I've noticed a huge change in my own headspace. I've noticed shifts in clients. Like they notice the difference in their headspaces when they don't do it. Yeah, um, and it just sets them up for the day because, like, well, I've won the day now, so now I can take on the day. Kind of gives you that more of an empowerment feeling. And a parrot feeling uh, to take on the day. Um, the next one for me is an amazing song by Take That and Gary Barlow. It's called Patience. You're welcome to that. Uh, it's patience. Uh, patience is a virtue which a lot many people don't have. Uh, we live in a new generation, Amazon, TikTok, uh, find your partner on whatever app or whatever, maybe that we want everything now. And it comes into the results that we're getting, but we also have to look at it from a point of view as the prime example is saving for a mortgage. You don't buy the house 
on one page check. You may, I'm fair play to you if you do, but uh, but you don't buy the house with one paycheck. And but yet we expect ourselves to, if potentially carrying a, a lot of weight, which I have previously, expecting it to lose it overnight with one meal, with one week, with two weeks, with three weeks. Yes, there will be drops or whatever it may be, but it's what you do over time. It didn't take the person. Sometimes uh, this sentence can't sound harmful and big dickheadish and flippant. It didn't take that person and a short time to put the weight on. It's not going to take a short time to, unless you are restrictive and then you'll be back to where you were potentially four or five years later or go keto, which I wouldn't advise. I'd rather shit my hand in a clap. Um, sorry, I've just got a complaint. I think I need to be fed today. Um, I think I've just turned into Dallas. Uh, but patience is, is a massive, massive thing. And yeah. you need to give yourself the the ability and say, right, at times you will be more in the headspace to do things. And there'll be times where you don't necessarily want to push things. And sometimes a diet break can come in. And sometimes people can find a diet break as a mental barrier. They're like, well, I'm taught, how, I'm taught to diet from an early age. I'm like, I know, but it hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. like if you're starting to die at like 9, 10, 11, which I've seen with clients previously, that's an environmental thing in, in family structure or childhood or whatever like that. And that needs to be looked at with a mental health professional. But if you're coming from a point of view of that, you're feeling fatigued, the diet could be too extreme. You could be dieting for too long. So it's an important thing to take a diet break sometimes as well. And that's also a way for you to kind of have that little bit more food to kind of say to yourself, well, I may have weddings or I might be a little bit more stressed at work or if I have kids events coming up, that's the perfect time to give yourself those one, two, three, four, five weeks, whatever it may look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very dependent on who the, who the person is. You haven't failed. You haven't failed. You're probably giving yourself that little bit more of a break. You're probably setting yourself up for a success long-term by going on some sort of diet break long-term. You're also learning to learn properly. And like- yeah, because like diet, the word diet means short-term. So if you're on a diet for potentially a whole year, like obviously if someone's coming from a very, very um, a point of view where they're kind of like carry, are carrying an awful lot of weight, they may need to go on a little bit longer to get to a health markers and cholesterol down and all that kind of stuff. But for 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 most people, they don't need to go on a diet for. Yeah. There's no there's no particular number or number of weeks or whatever. It's very dependent, and some people go aggressive. Some people can handle aggressive. Um, but I think patience needs to be adopted by society in any way. Like we don't start a job and be CEO the next day. Yeah. So why bring it into kind of like our fitness goals? Like muscle building muscle takes time. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. But, and it's frustrating. It can be frustrating. There's times where you're kind of like, oh, is this it? Like, but I'm kind of like, for me right now, it's kind of starting from the basics. Yeah, so I'm on a Dallas software. My strength is down 25%. And I'm just like, right, we go again. But there's going to be times where I don't, I, I, I will become impatient, but that's pure ego. Uh, uh, and I've looked, because I like, yeah, that's pure ego at play. And it's sometimes you may be able to, I'll, be, I'll look at it at a point of view as, right, well, now I can tweak my form. Potentially, there was a few exercises that my form had slipped. So I can look at it a way of kind of like adapt and kind of improve. Mm-hmm. Maybe the number may not go as high, but my I may feel a little bit more in my hamstrings or I may feel a little bit more in my, in my quads or whatever it may be. But 
it's it's getting back to a point of consistency for me being patient with what i want to do and think at the end goal of like i want to feel good in my clothes yeah but that's like that's the biggest key there it's the patience to understand that you are going to have blips in the road where ego will come in you're going to have blips where you don't want to do the work but then it's the great it's discipline it's understanding to the consistency of the process that gets you to the end and that's the key yeah um what's the next one for yourself to yeah, uh, portion control. Stop eating a whole bunch of food that's going to literally feed a whole family. Like, if your plate looks like it can feed a whole freaking family of six, like, seriously, that drives me nuts. Uh, majority of people overestimate how much food they are truly eating. Or just Underestimate or overestimate? Underestimate, sorry. Uh, <laughs> They end up looking and going, oh, look, that's only like 200 calories. And you're like, man, that's like a good eight, 900 calories. And that's a big thing when people aren't tracking. And I'm not saying people need to track, but it's also looking at that. The nice way of doing it is that I like to bring a lot of clients is bring that meditative breathing aspect. That is when you start eating your food, start with your veg, start with your protein, and then go to your carbs and fats, whatever your fats may be. But work in that fashion. So have some veg, have some protein, then have some carbs. When you get a quarter to halfway through the meal, you're going to put your fork down. You're going to put your knife down. You're going to push yourself just ever so slightly back from the table. And you're going to spend about two minutes deep breathing and just bringing yourself down, getting yourself back to a parasympathetic state. And then you're going to look at your food again and then make the decision, are you 80% full or are you only at 50%? majority of people because they overfill their plates the time they get to halfway through the plate and they step back and go <sighs> for two minutes realize they're actually full and then when people hear full they think christmas dinner they need to be that full and that's that's the big thing you do not need to be that full because you also think about that the christmas dinner is like think about how many portions calories extra spuds and all that kind of stuff they throw in um and like that's amazing it's one day out of the year um and but you don't need to be to the point of to to um like if you want to look at a blur it is past 100 percent. yeah and i was that last thursday yeah (laughs) you were like when we went down for food and you were like oh that pizza i could still feel i'm like what hell is that still eating pizza i'm like i'm ready to go Oh, yeah, I was so we had effort to lunch on the Friday, and I was like, I couldn't even. I, I Dallas ate half my lunch, like shock. Uh, Dallas was I, Dallas, Dallas was like, oh, what are you ordering there? So what can I have? <laughs> Me to that. <laughs> yeah, I could see you eyeballing the menu. I was like, what's he gonna go for? Yeah, I just, well, yeah, I just, uh, but I knew myself like that was a one-off for me. Yeah, um, and it was an occasion as well, so it was kind of like a little bit different. Um, I think also like with portion control, liquid calories, sometimes for people don't get counted, which is a huge thing, alcohol, uh, bulletproof coffee, coffee, I would rather like fuck off your bulletproof coffee. If you think it's a beneficial for weight loss, you're sticking loads of calories into it with butter. Butter is not bad. Dairy is not bad unless you have a, 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 a reaction to it or whatever it may be. But don't stick butter into your coffee expecting it to cause weight loss. But I, it, lo- I love it because they go, look, there's a lot of caffeine and this upregulates metabolism. Like metabolism is quite a bit of uh, like processes in the body. It's not just one thing, everybody. But then when they say it, and then you go like, so how many calories was it? 
uh, coffee's about 80 calories. And you're like, really? How much like butter did you actually stick in it? Oh, half a stick. And you're like, yeah, 80 calories. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then like with calories and then snacks as well, like peanuts, peanut butter, portions of peanut butter, all that kind of stuff. I'm not pinpointing peanut butter, but peanut butter is class. Um, but I think it's important to say like those things count as well. Uh, the big thing that I know it's going to come back in as well. What about fruit? Eat it, enjoy it, and be thankful. We have something very nice that's very helpful for the body. Thank you very much. And fuck off with the, the if you say to me and you can't come come back to me with other sugar and fruit, fuck off. Um <laughs> actually it's a very good pre-workout. If you, you would like to tell people, fructose is actually broken down and metabolized and stored in the liver very quickly. So if you're thinking about it, you're gonna do a hard session in the gym. Some fruit actually works really wonderful. It's a great snack. It's really handy for like if you're chilling in the evening and just throw a little bit of fruit onto your ice cream or your Greek yogurt or just have like, for me, I have like snack boxes made downstairs mm-hmm. with fruit. And it's really handy. Like if I'm pottering around the kitchen, I'm like looking for something. I'll be like, all right, I'll just go to the fruit. And then I'll be like, all right, if I have this, I'll see how I go. And it normally gets me to the next like hour or whatever it may be. Um, or else you can put some fruit into your water if you really, really want to do it that way to get that sweet tooth. You're also helps with cravings, girls, if you listen to this as well, because uh, you're not addicted to sugar. That's a cool story. Um, that's a really cool story. Um, you're only craving a certain food if you're restricting a certain food. You can't. Your body can't say, oh, I want a pavlova. I've never heard anyone say I'm craving a pavlova. Um, pavlovas are class. Um, but I've never heard anyone say it because it's not one of those things that's in abundance. It's one of those things that we have on a, on a certain occasion or whatever, maybe. But if you are craving a certain food, it could be a sign that your body is that potentially restricting it somewhere else. That comes back to having that uh, whole thing of including it every day. Like most of my clients will have chocolate every day or they'll have some bread every day if they want bread. But if we take it out of the day or whatever it may be, then it's not setting them up for a failure set the groundwork uh, and the last one for me is getting older so this is not an excuse either um, as we get older our metabolism slow down but it's still possible I've had clients in there not saying that 50s 60s is old uh, in any way but it can slow down your metabolism as we get older uh, just mainly may links into a patient's it could, could be a little bit slower. It's also girls with PCOS. It's coming. It depends how uh, your PCOS is managed. Um, so please work with someone if you're not familiar with how to manage your PCOS or you haven't been advised to do it. But getting older can be one of those things, particularly lads can lose weight a little bit quicker than girls. So if a girl is going through menopause or perimenopause, there's a lot of change going on in your body. The progesterone's dropping, your estrogen's dropping, and then your testosterone is kind of, is kind of taking the... the, the the main efforts there and you can see a shift in your body going from maybe holding your weight in your quads and your and your bum to maybe to your hips and your stomach and that's generally what can happen for a lot of ladies and that's where they kind of like it can help for it can be unhelpful uh, for mindset wise that they kind of feel like i think one of the ladies i was talking to yesterday on the call was she feels like six months pregnant and it's just like there's a little, I'd say there's a lot of bloating, a little bit of digestion stuff there, a little bit of hormone stuff going on there as well. And as once we sort that out, that could be, that, that, that could just be a mental win for them. But as we get older, it can be a little bit more difficult. doesn't make it impossible. If anyone's seen that picture of that ladies in her seventies or eighties with the, I think she, she went bodybuilding or she did some transformation. 
it's an extreme version. We don't know what she's done. It gives a snippet in time. It's not a comparison thing. She's done incredibly well and she's extremely proud of herself. We don't know what she's done to get there, but it's also showing that it can be done. I've seen uh, a lot of people in there at, at a certain age as well. Like their metabolism, their genetics are also a factor. I think genetics are downplayed an awful lot um, for a lot of people, but it's also like, just because we're at a certain age doesn't mean that life is over. You spend majority of your life as a woman post-menopause. So life actually starts probably post-menopause as well for a lot of ladies. They're probably their sex drive goes up as well. Um, I'd love a new book. Huh? I'd love a new book. Yeah. There you go. Um, so yeah, I think like we've gone through niche, we've gone weekends, count two, stress, unrealistic expectations, Calories burnt and calorie counters, uh, you're restricting sleep and blue lights, patience, portion control are linked in, we kind of link with calories and snacks count too. And don't really worry about fruit. Um, like bananas and stuff can kind of count, but spuds and stuff like root veggies and stuff can count, but the majority of them don't really worry about. And then getting, getting older can be an element of kind of like just lack of patience and stuff when that can happen. Like getting older ain't, ain't, ain't a death sentence um as you get older you kind of get to a point where you don't really give a shit anymore as in you don't care what other people think it's kind of like in your teens and your 20s you care what everyone thinks 30s you're kind of a little bit more accepting 40s 50s 60s you kind of really don't give a shit what anyone else thinks that's kind of what the life cycle is um and you just kind of you've kind of looked back and kind of say well what was i worrying about for a very long time now it's time to, to live your life so i think the big thing for ourselves is we're not then playing the whole role of calories in, calories out. That is the undeniable principle behind weight loss and weight gain and stuff. But we have to look at it from a point of view that everyone's journey is going to be different. There's an awful lot of things that can be at play. Mm. Being patient, being sound to yourself. Don't have to calorie count if you don't want to. If you have a binge eating disorder or you think of a binge eating disorder, please go and talk to some mental health professional. If you are struggling with something, DM us. If you are struggling with something, please do contact us and we can have a chat or whatever it may be. If you are struggling and you are lost for where to go or what, where to start, my advice would be to start with something. Your motivation will come from action, not the other way around. Do start for even just for a walk. A walk is not, it still counts as exercise. You don't have to hammer yourself with sessions. Uh, but yeah, Dallas, is there anything else you want to add on? No, just enjoy the process and uh, try not to rush it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so guys thank you so much for listening to episode 194 uh, volume 17 of Coach's Corner so if you guys have enjoyed it uh, please do let us know um, I, I, and thank you so much for all your support on the, the charts as well I find them they're pure vanity metric at this stage um, but it's amazing to see like I think I don't know, there's an episode for the last like maybe 40 episodes that hasn't gone top 4 on Apple which on iTunes which is which is mind boggling Um mm. And I'm very grateful for every single person telling us, keep pressing the download button. I don't see stats if they're not pressing the download button. So you have to press that download button. Uh, so hopefully I've got some announcement coming for you guys in the next little while. Um, and if you have any questions, pop us a message. Dallas, thank you so much. You're welcome.